Oh, for sure. Last time, I guess it was like uh, Dave was saying, it was on a screen, and this is much better. I'd rather see you in person than, uh, I don't know if you remember the Muppets, but it looked like the Muppets, all these little cubes, and everybody sitting there in their own cube. But it's so good to see you all. And um, I'd like to take the opportunity this morning, especially as school is getting ready to start, to talk to you about something that's been on my mind for the last while. It was a few years back, my... Um, my youngest son was struggling with what to believe. Is Christianity, is that true? I mean, that's what we taught him, but is that true? And how do you know it's true? And he, he would come to me, I remember him coming in the middle of the night, and he says, how do I know there's a God? And I want to take a few minutes this morning to, to look at this topic about how do we know these things? Because what you're going to find, and some of you are hidden off to school, some of you have already gone to school, and, and what you're going to discover is that what this world does is it, it wants to take everything that God offers you and it wants to attack that and destroy it. And then once it's destroyed it, guess what it gives you instead? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And so I challenged my son because he was getting attacked in many different ways in his thoughts and he was really struggling. He was reading the atheists and everything. And I said, watch it. They're going to take everything you have and they will give you nothing back. And I want you to watch that, especially young people going away, going to school. Maybe you're going to school locally. Watch it. They're going to attack Christianity. They'll attack the thought of having God. And at the end of it, they will offer you absolutely nothing. In fact, every hope you ever have, they will take it from you. And they will tell you you have no hope, and that in fact you mean nothing, and you're just part of a big machine, which you just happen to be here right now. Watch it. And so this morning I want to challenge you. I spoke about this a, while, a little while ago with college and career. You guys are going to hear a bit of a repeat. Um, and it's on the topic of the mind. And so I want you to turn with me um, to the Gospel of Mark. We're going to turn to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 12. And if you have a Bible, take your Bible out, please. Um, and, and follow along if it's on the phone or whatever. It's good to see it with your own eyes, not just to hear it. Um, so we're going to start off in Mark, chapter 12, and verse 30. Jesus was asked there a question, and the question is, which is the greatest of all the commandments? And I'm not sure what they expected to hear back, but this is what Jesus would say. Um, we're going to read in verse uh, 29. Jesus answered him, he said, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. The second, um, like it is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And this morning what I would like to do is take a few minutes and talk about this, about loving God with all of your mind. Loving God with all of your mind. Four times in scripture we find this written, that we are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Now, just before we dive in, let's ask God to help us to hear his spirit speaking today. God wants to speak to you. 
He has a message for you, for me today. Let's not miss it with all the things that might be going on in your mind. Let's pray and ask God to help us to hear him speaking to us today. Shall we pray? Lord God, we come to you this morning. We are so thankful for your words you've given to us. Father, we pray now as we look into it that you would uh, help us just remove the distractions, help us to hear your Holy Spirit uh, speaking, help us to think clearly, and ultimately, Father, to understand those things you've given to us so that we might know you, O oh God, that we might have a relationship with you, and ultimately, Father, that we might go to live with you forever. And so we pray this, Father, we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Well, one of the things we have to think about as we start to talk about the mind, because when you come to Christianity um, and you look in the Bible, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 tells us that, that when we come to God, we come to God by faith. So the question is this, when we look at the, the question of faith and the question of evidence and facts, how do they get together? When we look at Christianity, is God asking you and me to, as it were, dispose of our mind and just to blindly accept whatever is said? Or is God asking you and me to actually check the evidence, to look at the facts, and then based on that make a decision? This is very important. Because the reality is Christianity is not asking anyone to make intellectual suicide. That's what it may sound like when you're out in the world. It may sound like they expect a Christian to make intellectual suicide, but that's not true. God wants you and I to make choices based clearly upon the evidence that is presented to us. And we'll look at that as we start to go through some of the scriptures here. So I want you to think about that. Now think for a minute with me. The mind, what is it? What are the different functions of our mind? And there are many different things we use our mind for. Hopefully, you use yours to think once in a while, like stop and think about something. Um, we use it to reason, okay? So I got these facts, I got to reason through them, and we, we discern then what is right and what's wrong, what's good, what's bad. We ask questions. Um, we feel. Now, that may sound strange, but we do. When, when somebody says, you've hurt my feelings, it's not like they hurt me here or, or back here. It's... It's in my mind that I feel that, and as a result, um, I might say, you've hurt my feelings. And so um, our emotions are processed through our mind, so happiness or sadness. And the reality is, all the stimulus that we receive every day, all the stimuli comes to us, goes through our mind, and we process it day by day. And I want you to think about that. Now, just turn over with me to Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1, and Solomon lays out just at the beginning of the chapter a number of different things that are functions of the mind. Proverbs chapter 1, and he says there, verse 1, he says, The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom justice, judgment, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, simple, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. And so if you followed through there, quite a list of different things for our mind, wisdom. And to have wisdom, we need instruction. And then we also need, once we have that instruction, do we actually understand what's being said? 
And so as you look in the word of God, you're going to find all these things. And God is speaking to your and my mind. He doesn't, he doesn't just leave us there and expect us to accept everything. And one of the main purposes, because we have to ask this, what is the purpose of our mind? Is it just to think? Well, God gave us our mind. He gave us all that we are so we could know him. Back in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, it says that we were made in the image of God. You and I are made in the image of God. Now, I think, I hope we're all clear that this is not talking about a physical image. Um, you look at me and you say, well, he really messed up on you. No. <clears throat> Be that as it may, the reality is this. It's not talking about physical because God is spirit. But several ways in which we're made like God is, a, if, for example, we have the ability to think and to reason. God thinks and reasons. We have the ability to, ha we have emotions. We can love, we can hate. You read in the Bible, God is love. God hates certain things. He loves certain things. So we're like God. We have the ability to make decisions. I can choose, will I do this or will I do that? Like God. And so we're made in the image of God. And so in this aspect, this ability to think is one of the things God has given us. Why? The reason God has given this to us is so that we can know him. God wants you and I to know him so that we can have a relationship with him. For that reason, he's given us this mind to, to come to him and to begin to understand what God is like. And now what's really cool is if you look in the Old Testament, a lot of times what you'll find is they use the word heart and mind interchangeably. And the reason is, is because a lot of times you'll find things like emotions and, and processing and all that integrated and, and that's the reality, because it is part of our being. Now, in our Western culture, we like to, to divorce those, but in fact, we're finding more and more they're all interconnected. And so in the Bible, you often find all these things interconnected. And so oftentimes, things of the mind, it says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Well, it's talking about as a man thinks in his mind. I mean, the last time, I don't think I thought with my heart. Some people may say they do, but they're not really. We think with our mind. And so, as a man thinks in his heart, so what, when you read your Bible, you may come across that um, and see that um, we actually, the mind is more integrated than just a mere rational processing instrument. So I want to start then looking at our mind before we knew God, before salvation. You see, God has revealed himself to us in several different ways. So think about that for a minute. How has God revealed himself to us? Well, you might say right away, well, he's revealed himself to us through his word, and you'd be absolutely right. Through the word of God, we can know God. But is that the only way we can know God? Well, no. If you step outside, and it's been a beautiful weekend, and you step outside, and what do you see? Well, you see creation. And in creation, you, you see things like order and design. You see majesty, you see power, don't you? Well, God is speaking to us. Look in Psalm 19. And Psalm 19 says that the heavens are declaring the glory of God. It says God is speaking. Day after day is speaking to us. God wants to communicate a message to us simply through his creation. But if we stop at his creation, we're, we're stopping short because in his word, God reveals himself more clearly. And ultimately, the amazing part is this, is God, God says, you know, it's like one thing for me to tell you things. 
but it's something entirely different for me to show you what it's like. And so what did God do? Well, God says, I'm not just going to tell you. I'm not just going to speak to you this way. It's, it's like God says, I'm going to come down where you are, and I'm going to live right where you are so that you can know me. And so what happens? Well, God, the Son of God, came right where we are, and he showed us what he's like. And I've used this example before, but do you ever wonder what it would be like for God to go to a funeral? Well, he did. And what did he do? He raised him from the dead. You ever wonder what it would be like for God to show up at a wedding? Well, he went to one. And, and you follow Jesus around, and God was trying to show us what he's like. So when we ask the question, what would it be like if God, and there he is. And so God's not, you know, way off up there. No, God came here so we could know him, so we could look at what he's like and begin to process that and understand that God is not a God of far off. God is close at hand. He came down here, and he's lived right where we lived. And why is that? Well, you go back to Genesis chapter 3. After God had created man, he put him in a garden, and what did man do? Well, Satan came along, the old serpent came along to Eve, and, and, um, and, and he says to her, basically this, is God holding out on you? Is there some, there's something actually better? And Eve believed him. Eve believed him. She wanted to be like God. Get this. She wanted to be like God and to know good. Well, she already knew good. Everything God had given her was perfectly good. Read the end of Genesis chapter 1. And to know evil. Well, do we know evil today? Unfortunately, yes. We know evil today. And so she right there, she made the decision, along with Adam, and it says sin came into the world. And it says death because of sin. Through one man, sin came into the world, and death by sin, and death is passed to all men for all of sin. What's the effect of sin? Look in the world around us. It corrupts everything. If you don't doubt that, pay attention to every aspect of our society, and you see more and more and more and more disorder. I asked my brother, my brother's a PhD in music, I asked him, I said, what's the definition of music? There's a guy called John Cage, and we had a discussion with my daughter there. She's a musician, actually my son-in-law is too. I said, what's music? And there's a guy, John Cage, he actually developed, there's an instrument from China that would randomly pick notes, and he actually made a, a symphony of random notes. Can you imagine what that would sound like? It is just... It's a cacophony of noise, in my estimation. But now, the definition of music says, that's music. Can that be possible? What's happening? When we reject God and set ourselves up as God in our own mind, then anything goes, and that's what's happened. Man has created himself and set himself up as God. Now, I want to give you a few verses to show the mind of man without God. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4. Just If you have your Bible, just look at that to see what the mind looks like without God. And it says there in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4, <clears throat> and he says there, Speaking of those who have rejected God, he says, whose minds the God of this world has blinded, who do not believe. So what, what's the description there of those who do not believe? It says their minds are blinded. 
blinded. They can't see. They, they don't see the truth of what God has to say. And so man, in his puny wisdom, sets himself up and says, I will be God. That's one. Flip over with me to um, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 18. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 18, look what it says there. So first of all, man is blind without God. Number two, Ephesians 4.18 says this, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. So blindness is repeated there again, but it talks there about their, their understanding is darkened. So instead of understanding the truth of God, their, their understanding, their mind is darkened and they're alienated, they're separated from God. So they're blind in darkness. Their mind and their understanding is darkened. One more. Um, turn back a few pages to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 3. And this, this makes it clear that we were all in this same uh, boat. We all had this same problem. And it says, Ephesians 2 verse 3, it says, among whom we all once conducted ourselves in the desires of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as others. We were controlled, so people are blind in darkness, and they're controlled by the desires of their mind. They're going out, and, and everyone is going out doing what they please in their own mind. If you go back to Genesis chapter 6, you see that the people at that time, it says the only thing they did was evil continue. They were imagining it in their mind, and they were executing it. You see, because the way we think, get this, watch it, the way we think leads to the way we behave. It starts in my mind, and it ends going out in my actions. And so here you see them. They're thinking these things in their mind, and they're getting acted out. There's more and more strange things happening in the world, and people are accepting them. Why? Because this is the way they're starting to think. And so, blind, in darkness, and it says they're controlled, their, their actions are controlled by a corrupted mind. We could look in Romans chapter 8 and verse 7, and it says that our mind, before we're a believer in Christ, everyone is born with a mind, now get this, hostile to God enemy with God. That's the way we're born. Every one of us with a mind hostile against God. Blind, in dark, controlled by its desires, hostile to God. That's a pretty bleak picture, isn't it? If you wanted more, read Romans chapter 1, and it describes even further the mind without God. And so what does God do? Well, Isaiah chapter 1 in verse 18. Just look at this for a minute. You've got to love how God uh, does things. In Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 18, because it starts off, God it wants to speak to you and to me, to our minds. And look what he says in Isaiah 1.18. He says there, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Let's look at the facts, folks. Come now, let us reason together. And then he goes on to say, Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. See, God wants you and me to talk over the facts. He wants us to examine the truth of the word of God. And then what does God do? Well, remember, we have darkened hearts and minds. And so in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, it tells us that what God has done 
is God who is light. It tells us that right at the beginning. And then John would repeat that, um, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And look what it says there in verse 6. It says there, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 6. It says this. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness. So God, right at the beginning, when he created the heaven and the earth, he spoke and there was light. So this God who created light at the beginning, it is him who has shined in our hearts to give the light, now look at this, of the knowledge of the glory of God. How? In the face of Jesus Christ. How could I ever know about the glory of God? How could I ever know about God? Through Jesus Christ. You don't believe about God? Look at Jesus Christ. You know, people say, well, the world is such an evil place. How could there be a God if the world is such an evil place? Well, the reason the world is such an evil place is because it's rejected God. But the question is, does God really love? Look at Jesus. Does God really care? Look at Jesus. There's the answer, folks. The facts are clear. God didn't stay up in heaven, cross his arm, and say, in the modern vernacular, it sucks to be you. No, what did he do? He came down here, and he provided a way. And he shined in our hearts. It's just like the big spotlight coming right down. And he said, I want you to see this up close and personal. And, and how did he do that? Well, he sent his son. Think of this. The son of God came down here. And then, like, this is the almighty creator of heaven and earth laying his hands down on a cross to die for your sin and my sin. We had rejected him. We'd set ourselves up as God. And he says, I will die in your place and for your sin. That's what God says. He says, let's reason together. Let's look at the facts. And what are the facts? The facts are that the Son of God came down to this earth. The Son of God died on the cross for my sin. Fact, I am a sinner. The Bible makes it clear. Evidence makes it clear we have all sinned. And yet Jesus Christ has died on the cross for our sins. And so God wants you to examine the facts. Is it true? Well, the evidence is clear that I am a sinner. And so now what does God want me to do? God wants me to come and to repent, to look at the evidence. And this is what faith is, is taking the evidence, weighing it, and then based on that, making a step. So I weigh all the evidence, and I say, based on this, I believe God. Or based on this, I refuse to believe God. Do you believe God you're a sinner? The Bible says you are. Evidence in your own life will prove you are. Then God says, Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin. Well, historically, history tells us there's a man called Jesus who came and who died. The Bible tells us more clearly that this man died on the cross for your sin and mine. Now it's up to you to either believe God or to reject God. What will you do? Now once you do believe God, well let's continue on then, what, do, what happens? Well, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If you're still there in 2 Corinthians, just flip over um, to the next chapter and look what happens because we're looking at the mind. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ... He is a new creation. All right, see that? He is a new creation or a new creature. Old things have passed away. 
Behold, all things have become new. Now, I want you to notice something. It says there, when I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, when I, I trust him upon salvation, I am a new creature. So we're given a new nature, all right? Because all I did before was serve sin. My life was devoted to serving sin. Now I'm a follower of Christ, and God's given me a new nature. Because otherwise, how could I live for God? I would be totally devoted to sin, right? Because that's what I did. So now he gives me a new nature so that I can serve God. But notice something. Nowhere in the Bible does it say, because we're talking about the mind, nowhere in the Bible does it ever say we're given a new mind. We don't get a new mind. But God does something about our mind. And we, we want to take a look at that, okay? <clears throat> so we receive a new nature. Don't receive a new mind. Turn over to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 14. So Peter is telling the people here, he's instructing them in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 14. And he says there, as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, so also be holy in all your conduct. So Peter is saying here, don't be conformed to the world. Folks, listen to me for a minute. The world is bombarding you day by day, minute by minute, you're getting bombarded with a lot of different stimulus. All right? You drive down the street. I remember when we used to live here, I, I worked in Purdy's Wharf. I'd cross the uh, McKay Bridge every morning, drive down along the, um, the waterfront there. And one day I looked and I noticed how many billboards I was getting exposed to every day. That's just one form. If you watch TV, the, the, the commercials just bang, 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 bang. If you, if you have a cell phone, uh, you watch people now that nobody can stand still and look up for five seconds. You, nobody can look at anybody. Now they're always you know, looking down and they're scrolling. And if you watch how much we're being exposed to every second of the day, our mind is being bombarded. And what the purpose is, is to conform our minds. Now, the word there is the word for plastic. Everybody's familiar with plastic, right? Plastic comes from the Greek word to mold. And the idea is with pressure, it takes the shape of whatever it's in. And so what does the world want to do? It wants to take us and pressure us to take the form of the world. And who's the god of this world? Satan is. So Satan used all of this lovely stuff to slowly pressure us to look like the world. Now watch it, folks. It's a reality. He's, and, and remember, it's all going through your mind, right? So boom, 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 boom. You, everywhere you go, you turn the radio on, you have the TV on, you got your computer on, you got your phone on. I mean, you go down the street, you see billboards, you're in the grocery store, you see all the, the whatever it happens to be there. Everywhere we're receiving this stimuli. And what's the purpose of it? There's only one purpose, is to make us think and to shape us to be like the world. And the world is under the God of this world who is Satan. So we need to think about this, folks, because it's happening every day, whether you think about it or not. So Peter says, that's what we used to be like. Now we're a child of God, and now get this, we should begin to think like who? God. But the question is this. I'm me. 
Like, I get a hard time thinking past, you know, math, simple math and all this simple stuff. How am I supposed to think like God? Like, let's get real. Can you think like God? I mean, you th- I, I, be serious here. How am I ever supposed to think like God? Well, look what it says here. Turn over to Romans chapter 12. How is it possible? Romans 12, verse 2. So we're going to start. How is it possible for you and I to begin to think like God? And in Romans chapter 12, and verse 2, it says this. Now this is one, I, I like this because you get it up here, you get it in front of you. It's good to read the scriptures, folks, to look at them. Because that's one other way to imprint it upon your brain. Because now we're counteracting the the efforts of the God of this world. And we're imprinting on your mind good things. So what does it say here? Look what it says, Romans 12 verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world. We already saw that. So we're not to take the shape of this world. But we are to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So, transformed, and you may have heard this before, but the word transformed is the word basically metamorphosis. If you remember science, that'd be about, I don't know, I used to teach science, probably grade five, six, seven, somewhere in there. So the little, cocoon, the little caterpillar goes along, and there he goes, you know, remember, see him, you see the caterpillar going along, and what does he do? Well, he comes to the tree, and he chews away at the leaves, and then he, I don't know how he does it, but be cool to watch that sometime, wouldn't it? Anyway, I don't know if he spins around or if he spits it and it spins. Again, it'd be cool to see that. But anyway, he makes a cocoon around himself. And there he goes. And he's gone. Nice little white cocoon all around him. And then something happens inside there. And after a number of weeks, all of a sudden you see some action in there. You think, wow, what's happening? And what comes out? A caterpillar? No. What comes out? A butterfly. Now, would you, I mean, serious, let's be honest here. Would you ever have imagined that sending a little fuzzy worm in there would come out, a butterfly like that? Like, I could never imagine. That's God. Like, like God just likes to say, I'm just going to blow your mind, and that's what he does. But the point is this. He went in one thing, came out another. God wants to transform you like that. And you know what he doesn't do? He doesn't start from the outside. He starts inside out. See, the problem starts here. And once he's changed our hearts so that we're followers of Christ and given us a new nature, then he moves up to the mind. And it says he renews our mind. He transforms us by renewing our mind. He needs to take the way we thought and replace it with his way of thinking. All right? So God wants to replace our way of thinking and the old way of thinking with the new way of thinking. And this is something that's significantly different. So, everybody here knows Tim Hortons, right? Everybody. And they're just telling me, Abel, who doesn't know a lot of English, but Abel knows a double-double. All right? <laughs> Fundamental English. If you're going to teach somebody, you've got to... Estás aprendiendo a hablar inglés y las primeras palabras son double-double. Um, <clears throat> The point is this, that, and what I wanted to say is when you go into Tim Hortons, have you noticed this? You don't have to go into Tim Hortons for very long and you come out and what happens? I don't know about you, but my wife will go in for two seconds to grab some, come out, and it's like, you've been in Tim Hortons, haven't you? 
is true. It, you smell like Tim Hortons. Or you go into a house where they're baking ba bacon, and you come out, and what happens? You smell like bacon. Well, the point is this, folks, is when we spend time with God, we begin, and, and like in nature, we, we smell, we look, we act like our environment. We need to change our environment so that instead of spending all my time in the world, and I understand, for work, for certain things, yes, I spend time in the world, and that's my reality. But I can come in God's presence, and, and I can, as it were, begin to smell like God. Remember Mary? She, she poured the ointment on Jesus' feet. She smelled like God. Now, I realize that. This is, I'm speaking metaphorically, but you might say, well, how can I begin to smell and to actually to be like God? Well, turn with me to Titus chapter 3 and verse 5, because you're not alone in this. And I want you to see the first part, and a key ingredient or um, part of this in Titus chapter 3 and verse 5 is this. Look what God has done and provided for us so that we can begin to think like him. <clears throat> Titus 3, verse 5, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us through the washing of regeneration, and notice this, and renewing of the who? Renewing of the, it says it right there, of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost has been given to us by our loving Father. Why? So that he can begin that renewing process in our mind. So that instead of thinking like the world, I begin to think like God. And so that instead of acting like the world, I begin to act like God. And so he takes what's from the world and he replaces it with God. Now turn to uh, Colossians chapter 3. And I know I'm getting you to look at lots of different verses, but I, I think that'll help you to see and understand that this is what God says, not what I say. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 10. He says there, Colossians chapter 3 and verse 10. He says there, we have put on the new man who is renewed, look at this, who's renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Now, I want to give you an example of this. Um, I've used this one before, but that's all right. Because what God is doing is taking that old way of thinking and replacing it with the new way of thinking. And so as we read the word of God, we begin to, we're exposed to what God is like. And then the Holy Spirit can take that and begin to teach us to think God's way. And so when we were in Peru, we ended up having for three, uh, six months, we have three little boys, a year and a half, three-year-old, and four years old. And so when they came to us, they had come from a very difficult situation. Um, they were almost being starved. Uh, they were begging in the market. Um, just very difficult situation. So they came to our place, and what we had to do is take that old way of thinking, which they had been so used to, and replace it with a new way of thinking, the thinking of our home. Because, see, the very first morning we, they got up, and I got up and I came out to the living room and um, there they were all out there. And what had happened is the four-year-old had gone in and he'd taken his one-and-a-half-year-old brother out of the playpen and he was taking care of him. And so I said to him, okay, Naeem, that was his name. I said, Naeem, in our house, we'll take care of the baby. You're not, you don't have, you know, no more, 
it's your responsibility. It's now our responsibility. We are the adults here. We will take care of your little brother. And so from uh, very shortly thereafter, he didn't do that anymore. We did it. Another one was that when they came, as I said, they were very, very hungry. Um, they just devoured anything in sight. They would ate and 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 ate. All right, and I'm serious. Like the three-year-old, we thought that he was going to explode. And finally, Kim said to him, Jorge, no mas, no more. You're, you're, there will be more food. This was the first day. Six months later, guess what? <laughs> Sitting there at the table, my wife puts the food on, and guess what they say? In Spanish, no quiero. In other words, I don't want that. <laughs> what happened? They began to think like our house. There's lots of food. I don't need any more. I don't have to worry about food. They were starting to think like our house. And then there's other things. They, we didn't know. We didn't know a lot of Spanish at the time. And, and they were saying bad words. We had to teach them, though, those are not good words. We don't talk like that. This is what we talk like. Do you see what was happening? These children were used to living and thinking a certain way. Now in our house, we were teaching them, in our house, that's not the way you think. And as a result, these are not correct actions. Now pass that over to the spiritual life. In the life of a believer, this is the way I used to think. This is the way I used to act. Now, as a child of God, God is taking his word. That's why we need the word of God to read it. And then the Holy Spirit takes that and he says, okay, Mark, that's not how a Christian acts. That, no, 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 no. That's not the way to think. This is the way to think. So as I start reading the word of God, I begin to understand, oh, so I shouldn't say all these bad words. No. I shouldn't act like this. No. I should actually love this guy instead of trying to take advantage of him. And so I'm learning the new way of thinking. My mind is being renewed. So those old things are being replaced with things from the word of God. And that's what God wants to do. He wants to renew our minds so that we begin to think like he does. Now, what's my part in this? What can you do? Well, go back to Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. And look what Paul says to us there. He says there, I beseech you, Romans 12 verse 1, he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Okay, folks, you and I have a part in this too. We're not just passive participants, you know, kind of like, uh, I don't know if you've ever been on one of these, or one of the lazy rivers at some of these theme parks, you get on a tube and you just kind of float along and drift along and the water's warm and you just relax. No, no. This is something you're engaged in. You're part of it. And the first thing God says for us to do is what? We present our bodies, including our minds, to God. God, here's my mind. I want to use my mind. I want to use my body for you. And, and, and when they would do that, you look at it, he says here, we're presenting our bodies a sacrifice. Now, when you presented a sacrifice to God in the Old Testament, once, and I got nothing, oh, I got something here, okay, don't, I'm not going to crash, but I just want you to understand this, okay? So, I hope it holds me, all right, here we go. So, once you got up on the altar, you were God's. And you were holy. Anything that was given to God was holy. It was God's. 
it never, get this, it never came off the altar again. Do you get that? So when I present my body, a living sacrifice to God, you might say, yeah, but look at this old body. It's falling apart. It's kind of gross. I've abused it. That, that's not what God said. He says, you present it to God, a living sacrifice. So no, I'm not going to kill myself, but I'm presenting myself to God as a living sacrifice, and then God is going to use it. So my part then, <coughs> got down safely, um, <clears throat> My part, first then, is to present myself to God. God, here I am, including my mind. So folks, are you using your mind for God? Or are you using your mind for yourself? Are you using your mind to, to further your own ends? Because that's not, that's not presenting yourself to God. That's presenting yourself and saying, well, I'll just keep a little of this back. Can you imagine trying to get up on this altar, half of me? Oh, there you go, God, take the leg. It doesn't work that way, does it? Or here's the arm. No, God wants all of me on the altar, and I'm all yours, God. And so, especially today, it's the mind. Watch the mind, folks. Because that's where the attacks especially are coming. They're coming at your mind, and they're trying to seduce you to think the way they think, to act the way they act. And so turn with me now. So first of all, I present my body a living sacrifice to God. Now turn to Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1 and 2. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1 and 2. And look what it says there. Colossians 3, verse 1 and 2. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Now notice this is an act of participation. It says seek. So this is me looking. Where is it? Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 to 5 talks about searching for knowledge like hid treasures. This is something far more valuable than any hid treasure. So seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God, set another active piece of participation on my part. I'm going to set my mind on things above, not on things on the earth. You see, folks, watch what happens. The world comes along and says, oh, look at Ukraine, the, the devastation, the horrible things that are going on over there, and I can allow my mind to get consumed with this. And, and, and yes, I should pray for them. But I'm not going to allow my mind to be distracted with that. Why? Because I want my mind set on things above. I want my mind set on things of Christ. Now, people say, well, you're too heavenly minded. You're no earthly good. You know, I've never met anybody like that yet. The only person here that was really purely heavenly minded was Christ. Was he any earthly good? Absolutely. I can tell you, folks, if you, we would set our minds on things above, if we would seek the things above, the world would purely be the beneficiary from these things. You know, they're looking. I'll tell you something, this. Um, we're helping out a little organization. Just, uh, we're helping out in a very small way. It's called Moncton Cares. And they told us this, and this is what kind of caught our attention. In Moncton, over the last six months, they, they tracked a bunch of immigrants that are, people have come to Canada. And this is what they said. Over 35% of those people who come to Moncton in the first six months did not have one new friend. Six months in our city and not one new friend. 
And another is like 55, almost 60% almost said some of them might have had one friend or two. Think of that. That long in our country, in our city, and no friends or very few. How's that possible? Well, if my mind is set on Christ and I can see somebody and I can say, how can I help you today? And it may be something as simple, welcome to Canada. And you see the big smiles on their face when they arrive. Yes, we're here. Oh, it's so green here. They say stuff like that. Why? Because they're happy to be here. But to be part of that and ultimately to be able to point them to Christ. But how does that start? Well, it's when my mind is on Christ and on the things of Christ, then I'm going to start thinking like Jesus. And how did Jesus think? Well, Jesus saw the people. The leper came to him and Jesus didn't run. Everybody else would run because the leper would infect them. But Jesus went to the leper and he ended up healing the leper. That's starting to think like Jesus thinks. And so as we spend time with him and set our mind on things above, then we begin to think like he does. Listen to this, Psalm 25, verse 4 and 5. I'll just read it to you. The psalmist would say this, Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. The psalmist had set his mind on things above, and he says, I want to know your things, God. In fact, get this, we can know the thoughts of God. Psalm 139, 17, listen to this. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God, how vast is the sum of them. I want to know your thoughts, God, so that I can start thinking that way too. The world is bombarding us. God wants us to think his way. Now, I've got two more verses for you. Turn to Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5. See, God's goal is this. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5. It says there, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. God wants you and I, ultimately, to have the mind of Christ. To begin to think and to act and to look like Christ. Can you imagine what this world would be like if all of us here were excellent representations of Christ? And we go out of here today and people look and they say, Wow! Something's different about you. We met with this guy this week. He wants to be baptized in Rishabakto. And he, he'd gone up to Montreal. And he was staying with this old friend of his. And this person said to him, something's different about you. And he told him it was because it was Jesus Christ. Well, that's what God wants us to begin to think, have this mind so that the world sees and that we are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, folks, to, to, to kind of bring this all to a conclusion, we start off by saying that we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. And to begin with, in order for that to happen, first of all, we have to repent of our sin and see sin as God sees it and, and to believe the evidence. I'm a sinner, and I've sinned against God, but Jesus Christ has died for my sin, and if I will believe him and trust in him, turning from my sin, then I can have eternal life. Those are the facts. And what God calls us to do is believe him and follow him. Then if I follow him, the Bible tells me that then I have an, I'm a new creature, a new creation, and God wants to change my way of thinking to think like the Lord Jesus. And how is that possible? Well, through being in the word of God, 
and, and, and allowing the Holy Spirit. And you know, there's nothing better than meeting with Christians to, to work that into us. Because as I listen to other Christians, I see what they're going through, and they begin to understand, oh, so that's what that means, and I can start to live it. And so the Word of God and the Holy Spirit begins to change our mind so that we think like, like um, the Lord Jesus. And then my part, then, is to set myself to present myself to God as a living sacrifice and to set my mind on things above. And so that I begin to think like the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the last verse that I want to look at here is found in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 13. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 13. And you all, everybody always loves to hear the last verse, because that means we're awfully close to being done. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 13. <clears throat> Folks, we go out that door and the bombardment begins again. And so what Peter said to the, to the believers is this, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. We're not home, folks. We're not done yet. And so and the, the picture is, tie up your shoelaces, hitch up your pants, we're in a race. And in a race, you prepare yourself and you focus Let's be focused, folks. Let's be aware of the attacks on our mind, and let's set our mind on the things of Christ so that we're not distracted, and so that we don't, as it were, drift away, but that we fully fulfill the purpose for which we were saved. And what is that? Is to ultimately glorify God by living out the Lord Jesus Christ in a dark world. The world is longing to see the Lord Jesus Christ. Will you today be that light where God has placed you. Shall we pray? Dear God, we are so thankful today for the word of God. And we're thankful, O oh God, that you have given, sent into this world your spirit first to, to convict of sin and to lead us to the Lord Jesus Christ, but then to change us to look like him. And Father, you know everyone here today, you, you know their problems, their challenges, and, oh, God, I just bring them before you. I present them before you. And, oh, God, I just pray for them. Lord, will you not give them the grace today, the, the strength to persevere? And, Father, for those who are, are, are slipping, as it were, they're, they're drifting, I pray you bring others into their life, Lord, to, to challenge them, Lord, to encourage them, perhaps rebuke them so that they will go on for you. Father, help us today. Be with us as we go from here, and I just ask this all in the lovely name of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening.